talent in her case a once in a lifetime kind of a voice but she's also become a leader in all sorts of really sensitive subjects for young people like mental health and how to be your best self so Janet Devlin is not only an outstanding singer but she's a leader and we're really really honored to have her today as a guest on the J-Rod Concerts podcast the Northern Irish singer-songwriter first bursted onto the uh, onto the scene by going to the X Factor in 2011 and she almost won. She finished in fifth place and some people think she should have won the whole thing. Uh, it was really controversial but lo and behold her career is blossoming and she just a couple weeks ago released a new album Confessional along with a book where she talks about all this stuff really raw and personal and beautiful songs while at the same time the book uh, dwells into greater detail on her career, how she grew up, and where she's going. We welcome Janet to the J-Rod Concerts Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this fantastic interview with this blossoming superstar. And we invite you to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And if you're there, give us five stars, which really helps us with iTunes and Spotify, you know, the lists and all that. So um, thank you guys so much for joining as usual. And this is Janet Devlin on the J-Rod Concerts Podcast. Hiya. Janet Maureen Devlin. <laughs> hello, how are you doing? Hello, hello. How's everything? How are you? Good morning for us. Oh, well, uh, good afternoon, I think. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what day it is, dude. Like... That's great. <laughs> Our, I don't know uh, what's okay. happening, Janet. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't on my Wi-Fi because I live on the top floor of the house and it means yeah. that I've been ostracized from the Wi-Fi. It does not reach my room. Well, that, that, that's a problem, right? In quarantine, <laughs> at least we need some good Wi-Fi. I least. know, I know, but I invested in a dongle. Yeah. So like, yeah, um, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, thank you so much for joining us on this Monday. Um, you know, you just released a pair of amazing things to the universe. So thank <laughs> you for that. Your amazing new album, Confessional, and a book, My Confessional. Yeah. Uh, really goosebumps kind of stuff. Really amazing. And I definitely want to talk to you about that. But first, I have to ask you, uh, how has 2020 been for you, Janet? Crazy year. Um, I started it like everybody else. <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to be my year. We're dropping an album. We're dropping a book. It's going to be sick. Oh, my God. I was so ready. And then, I don't know, kind of watched the world burn. But <laughs> I'm like... I, I, I'm used to things going wrong for my releases. I can't really explain it. Like, I think I live up to my surname, um, which literally means unlucky. Um, and I'm oh, like, really? yeah, 
yeah, Dublin literally means unlucky, and I'm like, it's kind of true though. But what about like, the luck of the Irish, though? That's a joke. Mm-hmm. The luck of the Irish actually means the Irish are so unlucky that it's like, ah, oh, luck of the Irish. That's a it's a weird joke that nobody really gets. There um, you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I'm positive as well, like because I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of good change now going on in the world, and I'm like very proud to see so much of it like watching like gen z and millennials trying to have their voices heard because they're sick and tired of how the world's been running is amazing that for me has been like we needed the world to get to like this area where we are right now which is just everything's upside down and i feel like people have taken like taken the best advantage of the fact that the world's upside down and gone well we're all going to have to change after this anyway. The world's going to be a bit weird after lockdown. So why can't we make this a yeah. better world? And Let's I'm just like, break in and start over kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So like, I've got so much hope. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it, actually. Very interesting perspective. Very good. Very good. So, I mean, I, I do want to get to your new album, but I want to start with the beginning, if you will, a little bit, because you yes. have such a great story. Uh, I want to <laughs> talk about your childhood for a second. Um, you grew up in Northern Ireland in a, in, a, in a small town called Gorton, right? Yeah. Uh, it looks so beautiful on the photos. It looks so picturesque, like from a movie, right? For us, like we mm. see that in a movie and we like dream of it. But what was it growing up in a town like that? Um, I like, I loved it. My childhood was very like reclusive in a nice way because we were in the middle of nowhere. Like we were still two miles away from the village. So like mm. I grew up with my brothers you know like you, you have three I brothers people, right i have three older brothers yeah so like mm-hmm. i see people it wasn't until i got to secondary school and realized that people used to hang out with people in the evenings i was like wait what do you mean they're like yeah we all just go out in our streets and we all play together i'm like wow i'm over <laughs> here getting like my hair pulled by my brothers my guys what's going on <laughs> um but also like i didn't know this was weird until i tell people about it but like I had, I had a horse growing up. Like I was a competitive horse rider. Oh, okay. So (laughs) obviously I lived in the middle of nowhere, uh, but I was a kid. So obviously I still wanted sweets and stuff. Mm. So like I would saddle up my horse, take it to the shop, go into the shop, get some sweets and ride home. And I didn't know that that was a weird thing or that like (laughs) I had a lot of freedoms as a kid. Like if I woke up on a Saturday morning and I wasn't competing, like, I'd be like, right, guys, I'm going up for a walk. I'm going to go have a picnic, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. It's cool. I could have left the house for six hours on my horse. And, like, what seems like a movie noise was, like, going up into the hillsides of Ireland and just, like, taking my horse with me and having lunch in the absolute middle of nowhere. You know? I'm telling you, it's like a Jane Austen book. It's beautiful. <laughs> it sounds so beautiful. Oh, that's great, Janet. Okay, and um, so you, you have three brothers. Man, you must have known all the guy tricks, by the way. But when did you discover that, because th- th- you were like a late bloomer when you started singing to people. When did you discover that you had this gift? You know, when, when was <laughs> your first memories where you're like, oh my God, like, um, I don't suck? Um, I think there's always a voice in my head that will tell me I suck. I just don't think that's ever really going to go away. <laughs> Right. But I think for me, I got into singing in the weirdest way possible. So my grandmother um, was my biggest fan. Right. And she always was trying to get me to go singing lessons. Oh, like would not leave my mom alone. She was like berating her constantly. Mm. And then my mom finally sent me to singing lessons. So I was going and then we decided that for her birthday, 
uh, we were going to surprise her. I was going to do, I was going to sing at mass because she went to mass every weekend. Every single okay. weekend she was at mass and during the week. But I was going to surprise her. So I did. So my whole family came down. I started singing the mass or whatever. And my cousin was beside my nan. She goes, look who's singing up there. They're lo- that's a lovely voice. And she got to turn around and say, damn it. And it just, she was just so happy. So for me, you know, she, she passed away last year, but always up until last year, I would make sure I sang at Christmas mass, um, basically every year because like it was her favorite thing was like having me sing. So that, that's how I started singing. It was always for my grandmother. Um, nice. the fact that I've got into singing now was because I was a drummer and I wanted a drum kit. And like there was oh, loads of singing competitions and they had money. So I was like, mm. right, cool. Because my parents wouldn't buy me the kit. So I attended these uh, singing competitions and would never win, but I'd play really? sometimes. Yeah, I know I would never win. You wouldn't no. win. That's amazing. No. Um, but I'd still get placed. So I'd have some niche and then I bought my drum kit. And then my friend bought me a video camera and was like, you need to post on YouTube. So like yeah. that was how everything started for me. Amazing. And what about when you were in Drumrack College? Did you were you like the local star of the school at least or something? I was a nerd, dude. Nobody knew I existed until like the TV audition went live. Mm. Wow. Like I was, okay. I was in the uncool kids group. Like we had a table called the Rejects table that like like you could go into that canteen and nobody would sit at that table. Like even if we weren't there, nobody would sit at it because that's where the Rejects sat. And I'll look at you. You're like the coolest chick in, in Europe. <laughs> you just right now you're oozing cool. I'm like, I, I need some of that cool to take it with me. So look at that. So story there for 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 everyone. <laughs> That's awesome, Janet. Okay, and I, I have to move. I, I know you've talked about this story, God. <laughs> a million times, but it's such a crucial part of your amazing story. And that's the X factor. So mm-hmm. I got to touch on it a little bit. Um, I want to, I want to talk about the day of your audition. Uh, you looked nervous in the audition. Like, I, I just want you to remember the day of the audition. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I get nervous going to the dentist. I can't imagine <laughs> what saying to Kelly Rowland and all these people must be. Um, <laughs> what do you remember about that day? I remember it was roasting. Um, because when I flew over from Ireland like the day before, it was snowing, mm. and I remember, yeah, I remember getting over and being like, "Oh my god, it's so hot!" Uh, <laughs> um, so I literally was like a sweaty betty the whole time. Like, there's a reason why that cardigan was still on because I uh. couldn't go on stage without <laughs> it. Um, I just I remember obviously being nervous, but what people didn't see was like on the on the actual day, so the day I was performing in front of the judges and things. Um, I was told to get there for one o'clock uh, for the, the afternoon performances. Yeah. Um, and then I got a phone call at like 9 a.m. from someone being like, why aren't you here? And I was like, because like, you didn't tell me to be there. So they were like, we need, <laughs> we need you here like now. So I had, I kid you not, about like 20 minutes to get ready. No way. For a TV debut. I no had way. Minutes. Oh my God. So I was obviously just like, <laughs> just like trying my best to get more And you didn't like, have your horse. You couldn't just jump on your horse and go to the studio. You know? Exactly, exactly, you know. <laughs> so I was obviously very, very afraid. And then I remember getting there and just there being so many people, which I'm not good at even to this day. Like if there's a crowd of people, like I suck. Um, and then I remember being even more petrified because backstage you can hear people on stage singing. And oh, I'm talking yeah. like Mariah Carey riffs and Beyonce-esque vocals. Mm. And I'm sat there going, meep. 
yeah. I have a voice that's like this big. <laughs> right. I can imagine. I can imagine. Because people are very talented in those shows, you know? Sure. Yeah. So I was like, well, if that person's got a no, because a lot of these people got no's for the stupidest reasons. I was like, well, if they just got a no. Yeah. Yeah. What chance do I have, you know? So. No, and those performances are amazing. And everyone should YouTube Janet Devlin X Factor <laughs> immediately after seeing this. My personal favorite, actually, I have to tell you is, uh, okay, well, the first one when Kelly Rowland can't stop saying, wow, wow, like, a, you know, that, that's amazing. <laughs> but when you sing, I don't want to miss a thing, I actually like that oh, yeah. one better because, because everyone knows now about, about you. And it's just like, like they're getting addicted to the crack. You know, it's like, it, it's like, it, 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 yeah, it's the best. It's the best. So that's my favorite. Um, okay. Uh, you recently, and in your book, you touched, you talked a little bit about the pressures of that show and uh, a little bit about, you know, it, it was hard on, on your mental health. Do you want to talk to us a, a little bit about that for a second? Yeah. So, well, mental health has always been prevalent for me anyway. I think I was only like six to eight months in the recovery from anorexia when I did the show. Mm-hmm. Um, which you wouldn't really see because I remember like, I remember making sure that before I, I stepped on TV, like, obviously you don't even think you're going to get on TV, but I was like, if, if I do get on, I don't want to be, um, a role model for self-destruction. So I didn't want to go on there underweight. I wanted to go on there as healthy as I could possibly be. So it was obviously uncomfortable for me, but like, I, sure. I, I felt like that was a, like a necessity, get the word out. Um, but like... I think for me it was hard because there was a lot of things going on that people didn't know about. Like I was in an emotionally abusive relationship mm. at the time, um, which was hard because I obviously didn't believe in myself. You could see that. Um, and I had a boyfriend at the time that would remind me as to why I felt the way I felt like I, I'd be like, my voice isn't even that good. Like I'm not that great, blah, blah, blah. And he would be like, yeah, your voice is like, he would say it unprovoked. He'd be like, your voice isn't even that good. You're not that special. I don't get why people are making such a big deal out of you. And I'm like, sorry, man. dude, my be, we can be the worst, man. We can be insecure pricks. You know, I'm sorry about that. But yeah, I got you. It's, so I had, I had him and in my head, he was the only person speaking sense. I was like, why is everybody lying to me? Why is it taking this boy to be the only one with the gonads to tell me the truth? So I kept him around, you know? And, but I, I was struggling. I'd always been struggling before the show. Um, but it was just, it was all my own internal, internal battle of like, just not being okay with myself. And like, I, I hated myself so much that it was so conflicting to read these articles and have people being like, Oh my God, I love you. I love your voice. You're like, what's wrong with you? Like, what? So I, I just was always really confused. Um, but yeah. the minute that I admitted to someone, because I, I got to like a breaking point, and then I, I reached out to one of the people that kind of look after you on the show, and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I need help. Like, I am so depressed, like so depressed. And like within 24 hours, I was in Harley Street, which is like a famous uh, street in London for like the top-notch medical care. And oh, yeah. I was there seeing a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and the doctor, and I walked away with a prescription for antidepressants in, mm. in a day. Do you know what I mean? So, like, the show yeah. did make sure that, like, I, I had the best care, and they were doing yeah. everything within their power to make sure that I was okay. That's good. And this was, like, years ago, so they were ahead of the curve. Now it's a hot topic, and people like you 
thank you for, for, for speaking about it because um, you know, <laughs> may be saving people's lives. So, so thank you, Janet. So, okay. So let's move on a little bit to Hide and Seek and, and Running With Scissors. You did Hide and Seek, great album, uh, released almost seven years ago today, um, you know, when you stepped into Sheffield on May 28th. So this is all around this time. How do you look at this album seven years after the fact, Janet? So I only released it to um, online supporters of the album because I yeah. did a crowdfund. Um, the album is a pretty dark time. It symbolizes a lot of, of, of a bad time for me. Um, I wasn't being listened to for what I wanted. I was, I don't want to be say like taken advantage of, but like at the time, like it was easy to make money out of me. And I wasn't given a voice on how hide and seek would sign. So it ended up sounding so wrong. And then I signed with a new management company. I was you still were what, with 18? people. You were like 18 when, when, when this happened, maybe? 17. 17? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I signed with this new management company. And <laughs> it was the worst but funniest moment of my life now looking back. But they were like, right, so your album, you know, what do you think about your album? And I was like... I hate it. <laughs> and they were like, oh. <laughs> so that led then to us remaking the album. We took it from the producers that were working on it because it, yeah. it doesn't sound, it was not the album for me. It was not my first album. So I- um, It wasn't got, you, yeah. It wasn't me at all. So then I got these mm-hmm. two producers. It's so funny. My manager was like, because I loved working with a guy called Graham Pleath because he was just so classical, was very into the performance, knew my yeah. voice better than I knew it. And then there was a guy called Lee Mack who was a very like modern producer he had. So we put the two of them in the room, but it was like, have you ever worked with anyone on an album before? No. Have you ever worked with anyone on an album before? No. Would you be wor- willing to work on an album with somebody? No. Can you do it? And then they did. We made them do it. So they worked on it together and we did it in six weeks. That's awesome. Yeah. And then that's the album that I released uh, properly. Right. And I'm so proud of it to this day. Like it only took six weeks, but it is like, it's what my first album needed to be. It was a pretty clear sonic palette of like uh, timeless instruments that weren't going to age. There was no modern production or anything like that. Like you could, it could have been recorded 20 years ago. It could have been recorded yesterday. You don't really know. Um, It's timeless. And that's what I needed. Yeah. But (laughs) you can tell I'm young in the songs that's all i'm saying they're not very they're not very mature yeah well that, 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 I was that's, a baby. that's the, no but every artist every artist that's the beauty right that you see it the maturation and it's out there so and, and i think it's aged really well i'm, I'm with you and that uh, running with sisters man great album uh i do have to ask you about the cover of friday i'm in love by the cure yeah. uh yeah. you you do covers really well and that's really hard to do actually because 80 percent of covers um they just they just missed the mark, but you are a hundred, <laughs> a plus plus. So like, what's your magic ingredient? Like, how do you, you nail them. You just nail like Mr. Brightside, <laughs> listen to your heart, whatever it may be, you nail them. What's, what's Janet's magic ingredient for a cover song? Um, firstly, I have to like the song. <laughs> and then secondly, I think what we, what most of us do when we hear a song is we turn it inwards and we make it about ourselves. That's usually what we do as listeners. Mm-hmm. So I just do that. But then when I'm singing the song, I'm not focusing on singing the song. I'm focusing on trying to portray my story of what that song means to me in my life, really. 
Nice. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, it comes across authentic. Absolutely. That's really good. That's awesome, Janet. All right. So now let's move on to your latest chapter, which is super ambitious and it's super impressive, <laughs> which is the album confessional and the book, my confessional. Um, so first of all, where did the idea to write an album and a book come from? Like it's, it's excellent combo, but very ambitious. Where did the idea come from? So my initial idea was to write a really brutally honest album, like an uncomfortably honest album. And I wrote a few songs and I was like, I just think this is self-indulgent and I don't care. <laughs> um, Cheers, yeah. But I wanted to be honest, like I knew that for sure. I knew that I'd been through a lot and I wanted to get my story out there. Even six years ago, I was like, this has to be a thing. And people had already told me a lot that I needed to write a book. Um, so I was like, right, fine. But it kind of, it unlocked six months into recovery when I was just like, I, I don't have to write these really self-indulgent songs. If I just write the metaphorical versions, which are still true to me and they can still be honest, but they're still open to interpretation, then I, then I remain able to have an album that is still relatable to the general public, but sure. still true to myself. Sure. But then I was like, you're not being very honest then because how honest is a metaphor, Janet? Like, mm, that's, not, that's not really what we're going for here. So then I was like, right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the book. Then. Like, this, is, this is it. I'm going to write a book about it. Um, and as it progressed, everything got more conceptual. So like, I made sure that the album track listing went, you know, chronologically toward, like, crosses my life. So uh, basically every song is a chapter in the book yeah. um, with the stories that I felt that were like most, it's not all my stories because it's not an autobiography, essentially, because that would have been from start to finish you kind of switch in between the timeline of my life a lot in the book, but yeah. it's because I'm, I'm trying to get the stories that are most prevalent to the song and the situation that the song is about into those yeah. chapters. Um, you know, normally like where it started, where it took me and then where I am now with it all. Um, so I, oh, yeah. I, I, it just felt, you know, it feels good to have them out there now. Definitely, definitely. It, it seems like it's easy for you to just lay it, lay your soul out there, right? Most people hide those feelings, but it feels like you thrive on that. And so that, that's really, you know, good. That's good that you're channeling that. That's great, Janet. Um, a song that I love particularly is Big White World. Uh, and the reason why I actually like it so much is because it's like a palate cleanser, right? It's like it comes like a breath of fresh air. You know, it's like, oh my God, it's like you're going through this journey. It's like really intense, but beautiful, but intense. And then, you know, mm -hmm. Big White World comes and it's like, oh man, I needed that. I needed that glass of water, sunshine mm -hmm. in my life. What can you tell us about that song, Big White World? Um, I wanted the happiest <laughs> song that I could possibly write. I wanted it to sound like, for me, it, it originally had a lot of marimba. Um, yeah. That was just a writing tool. When I was sat in the room with Lauren, me and Lauren wrote the song together, Lauren mm -hmm. Aquilina, she's great. Um, but we stuck on the marimba when we wrote the song because I was like, Nahan says like happy gayness, yeah. quite like a marimba. And I was like, great, <laughs> let's do it. So it's just two girls in a room with a marimba song going around. I like, love it, It was yeah. so fun. And I was like, I want it to sound like the song that you'd write for Finding Nemo, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. Um, but, but also, like, including, like, the story, 
mainly from the New York chapter of the book where like I had that moment of like personal anagnosis of like oh I don't have to die (laughs) and life is pretty amazing and I'm I'm doing my dream job I'm living my dream life yeah it's okay you know uh so I wanted to get that that moment of euphoria across in the track by just making it super happy you know mission accomplished mission accomplished girl that's awesome oh janet you've been so generous with your time it's been awesome talking to you i do want to ask you one last question because Mm -hmm. people love your you know your pop culture acumen what is janet maureen devlin listening to nowadays in her spotify or apple music like what are you into now oh that's a good one um i listen to a lot of country music ah really yeah, I don't know because the weather, apart from this week, was really, really good in London. And for some reason, I think there's two types of people. When the sun comes out, you either play the charts mm-hmm. or you know people like me who are like, it's time to go full on white person and listen to some banjo, <laughs> my yeah. guy. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. basically me. I listen to a lot of the steel drivers at the minute. That's, that's great. That's great. Have you been to Nashville? No, I was supposed to go to, um, actually go to Austin to yeah. see chris stapleton live oh yeah 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 yep, yep. but then like the world started the world crumbled sure yeah yeah so okay. that'll be postponed <laughs> okay because i sense i sense there could be something there going for, you know maybe for you no i definitely want to do my album in nashville the next album I you know what i mean like, get it done like there could be a little bit more of banjo and fiddle heck yeah oh my god <laughs> i love the banjo i'm not gonna lie <laughs> oh my god janet you're awesome had a great time talking to you and congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. This was thank fun. You. Seriously. You rock. <laughs> Thanks for everything. And thank you. You know what? Thank you before I let you go for channeling your dark experiences for good. Because you are, you don't know, you put your art out there. And there's thousands of people listening to your music right now. And you could be saving lives, Janet. So thank you for that. Oh, thank No, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Of course. Have a great rest of your day, okay? Take thank care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.